So our next comic is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, career Air Force brat, and a very prolific tweeter. Everyone, please welcome to the stage, Stephanie Klein. Good evening. Where are my Marines at? Or my fans of Marines? You said fans of Marines. Yeah. I love them too. Uh, so much, in fact, that I have been married to two of them. <laughs> that's, that's not actually a joke. I was just showing off my survival skills. <laughs> I did get divorced earlier this year, but you have to get back out there. Uh, I moved back to D.C., right next door to the Pentagon. Uh, I don't work there. I just wanted to be closer to my dating pool. <laughs> That was Marine Corps veteran and comedian Stephanie Klein doing her first stand-up routine. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. If you follow the work at the Arts Endowment at all, you'll know we have long believed that art has an important therapeutic value for veterans who are confronting various physical and psychological challenges. For years, the National Endowment for the Arts has supported creative art therapies for service members, for service members, as well as community arts programming for service members, for veterans, and their families near some military medical facilities. That arts programming is focused primarily on creative writing, visual arts from photography to painting to sculpture to music making of all sorts. Other arts and veterans groups have expanded their programs to include other creative outlets, like comedy. More and more veterans are turning to comedy, stand-up in particular, to share their stories of their service and re-entry to civilian life. In fact, we're seeing a number of veterans in the process of becoming professional stand-up comics, like Stephanie Klein, a D.C.-based comedian who's performed in shows across the country. By day, the Marine Corps veteran is a mild-mannered defense policy analyst, but at night, she's taking the local comedy clubs by storm. Meet Stephanie Klein. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate the schlep. Thank you for having me. It's always great to get out of the Pentagon for a little bit. <laughs> now, I want you to tell me about your own military background. My father joined the Air Force when I was three. Actually, both my parents either got fired or laid off on the same day. My mom was a nurse. Uh, we were living in New Orleans. And my dad said, well, uh, I guess I need to join the military. And he joined the Air Force. And he got out uh, several years ago as a one-star. And so I've lived my entire life within the defense community. Uh, I fought pretty hard against it. When I was in high school, he really wanted me to go to the academy uh, to either do ROTC or to get a full ride. And I fought against it hard. I didn't want anything to do with the military. So I went to a very expensive undergrad school, very expensive grad school, got all that student debt, and then decided to join the Marine Corps. Oh, that was very yes. good. Very yes. good. Okay, tell me why the Marines, though. I actually was interested in all of the services. I was working at the Pentagon at the time. I got my master's in international environmental policy, and I had done some of my graduate research for the Marines and the Army looking at sustainable ranges and how to protect training ranges from urban encroachment, uh, as well as environmental regulations. Really, how can you best enhance the environment without restricting your training? So I was very interested in doing that. I worked at the Pentagon for a few years, 
and then realized that I talked a lot about what the warfighter needed and what the requirements were, but I didn't actually know myself. I knew from an academic perspective, but not experience. So I said, I need to join the service just as academic curiosity. And I looked at all of them. I didn't really want to do the Air Force. I didn't want to follow in my father's footsteps. Uh, I look very much like my dad. I have the same last name, and I just thought it was a little too close. The Navy, I get seasick <laughs> pretty easily. I rode crew in college, and I was a kayaking instructor as well, and I got seasick quite a bit, so I thought that might not work. So it was really down between the Army and the Marine Corps. And I was at a conference, and I'd been asking a few people their opinion, and this two-star Marine Corps general walks up to me, and he says, I heard you're thinking about joining my Marine Corps. What the bleep makes you worthy? And then he just turned and walked away. And it flipped that switch in the back of my head that I think a lot of Marines have of, I now need to prove myself. I need to show that guy that I belong here. And that started my path into the Marine Corps. What a story. What did you do in the Marine Corps? And what was the training like? And what was being immersed in a military life, even though you're, you come from a military family, I, mean, I imagine it's quite different when suddenly you're the one in boot camp. Yes. It was, I think, the most difficulty I had was being older and having worked at the Pentagon. So I routinely dealt with two stars and uh, assistant secretaries or undersecretaries, and then having to respond to 19 and 20-year-olds who were ordering me around, I think was the biggest cultural change for me. And just realizing that a lot of what was happening were psychological games, which was it's what it was designed to do, uh, to really get you in line. Uh, I think the Marine Corps does a phenomenal job of teaching future officers how to think like an enlisted person. If you're going to order someone around, you need to know what that actually is like. And they do a phenomenal job of taking that out on us, I think. And I didn't have a very common Marine Corps experience. I got injured somewhat early on in my career, and then I took my experience that I had working on sustainable ranges, and the Marine Corps said, well, this is a really great opportunity for you to be useful for us. And so I was shipped down to North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, and I helped with farmland preservation for the Marine Corps. I was one of the few people ever to do that as an active duty Marine. And I did great work, but not going to war was not necessarily every little girl's dream who wants to go into the Marine Corps and, and do what she can do. We're all very anxious to prove ourselves. And so that experience I didn't get. And so a lot of my art kind of reflects my, my feeling of inadequacy, which we will certainly talk about later yeah. on. Yeah, well, we can jump into that now. How long were you in the Marine Corps? I served one tour. Uh, so I, I finished out my, uh, my enlistment uh, period. I would like to say that I would have done it forever until I retired, but I have girlfriends who are currently serving who are miserable, and I have those who absolutely love what they're doing, and I have those who have gotten out and miss it every day. So I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm kind of happy with the path that I, I took. But do you miss it? Every day. What do you miss? I really miss the camaraderie. There's just that instantaneous bond when you show up at a unit of these are my people, these are the ones I'm responsible for, these are the ones I'm responsible to, Everyone has a pretty defined mission. It's just kind of a natural flow to who you can hang out with, what types of activities you do, being able to bond automatically of, well, we have to go do physical training. We have to PT. Let's go run together. Sweating and being in pain together helps quite a bit uh, on the bonding side. That's probably the main thing that I miss. 
When you got out of the Marine Corps, Stephanie, was comedy calling you immediately? Had you done comedy before? How did this enter your life? I had done some small creative writing when I was in elementary school and, and done some stories, but most of my writing was just done professionally. Uh, the arts were something that I loved to consume and loved to enjoy, but I never ever considered myself an artist or a creator of anything. Maybe cooking. I, I think that was probably the closest thing to art that I got to. When I got out of the Marine Corps, my husband at the time was still in. And I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. He was still at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point, which is about two and a half, three hours away. And I had three dogs, a big house, a new job that I hated, and was kind of miserable. Uh, our marriage did not work out. And I was left moving to DC, feeling very lost. Because at this point, I was out of the Marine Corps. I didn't have that connection. I was no longer a military spouse. I didn't have that connection. And so I was really looking for something new, a new tribe, a new outlet. And I started doing the creative writing program through the Armed Services Arts Partnership. And I did playwriting. That was not my path either. Uh, but the instructor there noticed a few moments of dark comedy and some decent comedic timing and said, why don't you try their stand-up comedy program? And for the longest time, I thought, that's ridiculous. It's not something I want to do. I don't want to be on stage. Uh, I don't actually like being in front of people and being the center of attention. And I also didn't know how that would work professionally. But I thought I would try it out. And I wasn't terrible. And I just kept doing it. I liked the ability to take things that made me uncomfortable and try to turn it around and use it to my benefit. It ended up being very therapeutic. And almost three years later, here I am. There's so much there I want to unpack. Why don't we begin with the Armed Services Arts Partnership? You mentioned that you took a course there. Tell me about that organization. So it was founded in 2015 by a college student at William & Mary, Sam Pressler. He had dealt with uh, family suicide. And through his coping and in kind of studying that, he realized comedy could be a way to help cope not just with suicide, but with a lot of issues, which really aligns with how members of the military cope with a lot of the, the dark issues that they deal with. He started a veterans writing group uh, right there at William & Mary, and it expanded into the Hampton Roads area, and then it expanded into the D.C. area. And now there's programs in creative writing, the visual arts, comedy, which I'm obviously a part of, improv, tons of workshops, kind of one-off on acting, on songwriting. And they're all free for veterans, uh, service members, which includes National Guard, Reserve, active duty, which is rare and a pretty phenomenal benefit. And it also includes family members and caregivers, because one of the things about this organization is it really builds community, not just a one-off for the service member, but for the entire family to get involved. And at the time when you're going through the programs, that doesn't mean as much. But once I got out, I was craving having those classmates back and what it was to have people around me that could push me, but in a very loving way. I felt like I was home when I was there. You mentioned being a part of the comedy program. Are you a teacher there now? How are you still involved? I was a mentor for one of their comedy classes. So they have instructors, uh, and then the mentors will sometimes just provide a different perspective. Currently, I help run some of their social media and some of their communications. I do that as volunteer work because there's really no way I could ever repay them back. So I thought at least I could do something, uh, which I absolutely love. But for me, just because of my job, because of really trying to do more comedy, more comedy writing, uh, just committing to being an instructor right now 
probably doesn't work. Yeah, I can see how that's hard. You're juggling a lot. So tell me about your first time standing up and doing a comedy bit. The way that the class is structured for the comedy boot camp is you have six weeks of class. And so you start to learn about all the comedic principles, really how to craft a joke with your setup, your punchline, your tagline. And then you start rehearsing, get ready for that graduation show. I was one of the rare people that what I was writing down the first few weeks is exactly what I ended up presenting because I spend so much time on the front end with the writing. So for me, once I got to the show, I'd been working on that material for so long, which is a luxury and a rarity. Doing the show was both nerve wracking and totally freeing and terrifying and more than I could have ever expected. And I absolutely fell in love. I had a lot of coworkers and friends there to support me. When I got up on stage, I thought I was gonna forget everything. Like a few minutes beforehand, I forgot all my jokes, kind of panicked. And then I got out there and didn't know what to do at first. And so just to buy time, I just looked and just said, good evening, and stared for a second and then went right into it. And from then on, no matter where I am, I will always give the greeting of the day just as my way to kind of center myself. But in that moment, uh, it was complete panic, (laughs) complete and utter panic. You went through the workshop and then you decide, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take what I learned and do stand-up. How do you even begin? Well, the great thing about the Armed Services Arts Partnership is once you're done with a class in whatever skill, they provide opportunities for performances, which is phenomenal. So not only does it allow you to keep building your skill in a pretty safe way as well so that you get the experience, but it might not be as cruel and lonely as if I just went to an open mic by myself, which still terrifies me to this day. But it also allows the greater community to come in and see arts by veterans and the military community. And it helps bridge that gap just a little bit where they get to laugh at and with us and we get to kind of bear our souls, uh, which I think brings everybody closer. So I did several performances through that organization where it was a very loving community and they were geared towards people coming in and supporting that, which builds a lot of confidence. You really don't think about how much confidence it takes to go into a room full of strangers get up there and talk about yourself and try to get people on board and try to get people to laugh. And so that organization did a lot for my confidence building. There's no mercy in comedy. There's none. Because people laugh or they don't. And the audience feedback is immediate. So I'm in awe because I couldn't (laughs) do it. I finally got to the place where even if no one laughs, uh, which thankfully never happens, knock on wood, It hasn't happened yet, I will say. I laugh at my own stuff, and there's plenty of tape of me just stopping for a second and enjoying my joke, which I'm getting to the point I'm doing more and more, and that makes it a lot more fun. I honestly hope that I never have a situation where no one laughs, but I'll be okay. And I think that's one of the other things that I took away from it, is that there will come a time where I'm on stage and no one will laugh, and I will live through that. Well, you know, in thinking about this and and in thinking about the show that Improbable Comedy is hosting, Stand Up Silver Spring that you're a part of, and it's all veterans. And as I said, I was, I'm thinking there's no mercy in comedy. My God, you just it's just not for the weak. But I'm also thinking the strength you need to stand on a stage is different from the strength the Marine Corps expects from you. Yes, I honestly think it's a lot harder than people think it would be for for those in the military because we are trained to not be vulnerable. 
we have to suppress a lot of that. Don't show your emotion. Don't be vulnerable. Man up. That's a big part of it. When you go through these arts programs, and not just comedy, but we're certainly focusing on comedy, and that's the biggest part of my life, you're vulnerable out there. For a lot of us, we are taking some of the most painful experiences and issues. We are breaking them down and putting them together in a way to get people to laugh. That is terrifying. The first joke uh, that I ever wrote was about my divorces. That I'm a failed wife. You know, I served one tour in the Marines, but I love them so much that I married two of them. And it's one of my best jokes because it immediately lets the audience know a lot about me. That I was a Marine. I'm very much like most people in the military who have a failed marriage, but I have survived that. And when I first told that joke within our class, I was able to get feedback from people. One of my, my best friends in comedy was shot five times, is missing several of his fingers, and he was able to say, that really made me laugh. Why don't you maybe think of this? And that helps you really become vulnerable when you realize that we're in this together. And I now am able to laugh at his jokes about being shot five times. And that's kind of a magical thing to go to. And it, that's what makes you fall in love with that program, makes you fall in love with comedy, and makes you fall in love with that community. What do you think it is about comedy that, that allows veterans to tell their stories in such a personal way? Well, for, for me, I certainly don't want to speak for everyone. I started off doing the very dark, dark writing play that I had been working on, it was just very sad, very angry, very full of emotion and somewhat unfocused. And I think comedy helps provide a little bit of that barrier where you don't have to cry on stage and you don't want other people to cry with you or in front of you. Comedy really allows you to present these major traumas and issues and problems and struggles in a way that brings people closer to you because they don't pity you. I could write about how much my divorce hurt, how much it hurt that I felt like a failure in the Marine Corps. Or I could write a joke about it. And I work through the same process where I tear it down, I build it back up, I cry a little bit while I write it. And then when I get up on stage, I make people smile and I make people laugh and it kind of lets me know that I'm okay and I am going to be okay in a way that reading something sad just doesn't give. And I think the response of laughter really helps build us back up. You perform, obviously, in venues outside of the Armed Services Arts Partnership. How is it when you're performing in a group of strangers, for example, you know, outside of that veteran community? How different is it? How uneasy is it? How exhilarating is it? I still get very nervous and probably more nervous when there are people I don't know. I'm very well known for being slightly OCD and anal retentive. Like, I stick to my time. I stay within my time. I had to write down stage directions for myself so that I'm not very awkward and just standing on stage lecturing my jokes. When I have people that know that around me, it's a little bit more comforting. When I'm in a new place with no one that I know, I'm a little bit more aloof, I'm a little bit more distant, and I don't really warm up until after I've performed. Uh, and then I can enjoy everything. But it just changes the dynamic of how I get on stage and how I do my prep work. So I really love having my comedy people around me of course, that's not the best way to fully grow because at some point, if you really want to get out there and do more comedy, you have to move away from the nest. 
But for right now, especially because I have a day job, it's very fun and safe and comfortable for me to do that. Well, the event on the 27th of July, it's taking place at the American Legion Hall in Silver Spring. And it's a lineup of comedians who are veterans. Are these all people who have gone through the program with you, or are they just from the greater D.C. area? I've never met any of them. (gasps) Really? So we're all vets, but we we haven't – well, I'm not sure if they've met each other, but I haven't met uh, any of them. And so it's actually pretty exciting. The one thing about working with the same crowd over and over, you know know their jokes, you know their stories. So it's always fun to get new stories and have new jokes. Uh, So I'm really excited about it. And I'm also excited because I don't host much. I don't do a lot of improv, so my my spontaneity is very well rehearsed. But with hosting, you have to do more crowd work. You have to do a little bit more on the improv. So this is going to be a great opportunity for me to really get into that a bit more. So I'm very excited about it. It's going to be a fantastic show. How much direction are you given as the host for something like this, for example? Uh, so Improbable Comedy reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to MC?" And she will give me the time limit. And I know the audience. And I know what the goal is, is to honor American Legion's 100th year. And that's, that's it. Uh, a good comedy show producer, which Kim Livione definitely is. She's phenomenal. She picks good people, and she just gets out of the way. Have you worked with improbable comedy before? Yes. Uh, I've done a few shows and gone to a few shows, and they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the things I love about a lot of the shows that I go to is they really either highlight diversity or they promote it. Uh, and they're always just fantastic shows. One of the, the shows that Kim Leviona had done through Improbable Comedy was Comedy is a Second Language. And so she took comedians who were all immigrants or English was not their first language and had them do a show. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And I find more and more that the tight-knit community, a lot of them veterans, start building up that type of opportunity for people. But for this show on the 27th, I mean, it's a pretty diverse lineup as well. I know we'll have officers, enlisted, men, women, and you know it's just a great opportunity to highlight an organization, particularly American Legion, that hasn't always been the best on diversity and kind of flipping it on its head and presenting a lot of people who may have gotten stares going into that building 20 or so years ago and being able to say, we still love the military and we still love your organization and what you're doing for us. And here's how we're going to change it. Of course, I'm talking to a veteran, so one part of diversity, officers, enlisted people. I mean, that never would have occurred to me in a minute, but do you find the people who gravitate towards comedy in general, do they tend to be more enlisted people rather than officers? I get that there are more enlisted people, but I just wonder, proportionately, does it seem to be balanced? I honestly could not tell you. I think it's a pretty decent split. And being funny or not being funny is a pretty awesome leveling device. It doesn't matter if you're an officer or enlisted, who's funnier and who's got the better joke and the better feedback for that day. It all comes down to what you bring to that stage, which is really the best part of it. What's the comedy scene like in the DMV? I didn't realize just how robust it was, and it's becoming one of the better places in the country to do comedy. You can find shows every single day, and there are really hardworking comics who will go from Southern Maryland you know, all the way down into Virginia. They go all over the place. Part of the luxury of my not having to rely on comedy for an income is that I prefer not to go more than like seven metro stops <laughs> from any <laughs> one show. 
so I can be home at a decent hour. I was just going to ask you, comedy, let's face it, takes place at night and you do have a day job. How is that juggling for you? I rarely do open mics simply because I can't show up to a venue at 10 o'clock and hope to be on by by 1 p.m. I will rarely do shows that are that late. The other amazing thing about the Armed Services Arts Partnership is that their shows are at a very reasonable time uh, because they understand uh, that most of us do have day jobs. If there's something that I really want to do, my current organization, they have been so supportive of my extracurricular activities and you know, my, my work always comes first, uh, in case my boss is listening, always comes first. But I'm very efficient, very effective, and so I leave plenty of time in order to get my comedy into. What have you discovered as you do your stand-up? So many things. One, I found that I'm a better person than I used to think I was. And I think comedy has really helped kind of flesh that out. I think just the friendships and the relationships that I've built And one thing that I always like to say is I'm not the funniest, but I'm one of the most professional when it comes to comedy. I work very hard at my craft. I work very hard to get myself into different shows or, you know, into different comedy groups. And once I'm there, I work hard to advocate for myself and then to provide opportunities for others, artists that I love to come and kind of take part in some of these great opportunities. You also produced a comedic short film called Dilemma. Yes. Tell me about that. And that, I have to say, was recently selected for the Atlanta Women in Comedy Film Festival. What's the film about? How did, how did you get into this? So my creative partner, uh, Tammy Heinlein, she and I met in the comedy boot camp. And we just instantly connected. She was an enlisted Marine. And there were five females total in, in our class. And all the females banded together. But she and I just instantly clicked. We had the same sense of humor. She really wanted to work on a script. And so I read it, loved it. And then she said, I want to make it into a movie. And it's a mockumentary that pokes fun at the way that men in power make decisions about women's health care. Typically uninformed, uh, not always malicious, but not always well-meaning. And so our actors played the top experts in men's health. So we have a female senator, a female doctor, Uh, and a female community practitioner uh, in abstinence and talking about men's health in the same way that many men talk about women's health. I might be slightly biased, but it's hilarious. It sounds like it really would be hilarious. How can people see this distribution as a whole, Other Kettle of Fish? Are you doing the festival circuit? We are, uh, and we were just selected for the Atlanta's uh, Women in Comedy Festival, which we are incredibly excited about. We are still working on how we're going to get it out there Um, And so you'll be one of the first people that I will let know once it's out there. Definitely, please do. Uh, One of the great things about this film is we included a lot of people from the Armed Services Arts Partnership, and they gave us some space for recording. We held our auditions there. Everyone on that film got paid, which was huge for us. One of the things that we really like to advocate for, and one of the things that I really push for, is that creative labor is still labor. And even if your friends are willing to do things for you, you should get them economic opportunities whenever possible. 25% of our actors were women of color. We had 50% women over 50, which is very difficult uh, to get substantial roles uh, for a lot of women of that age. We were a SAG-AFTRA film, so we had a SAG actress. So it was pretty incredible. We had 99% uh, of our film crew was female, and it was an absolutely phenomenal production. 
for the anal retentive OCD part of me, I am very proud that uh, only one day we went over on our schedule by seven minutes. <laughs> Which, from what I hear, is also unheard of. Oh, uh, yes, in film that production. is unheard of. <laughs> uh, so it was one of the most fun experiences, one of the greatest learning opportunities, one of the best creative outlets for me. And Tammy and I are actually working on another project uh, that we will certainly share with you once it comes out. Just keep leading into my next question. Thank you. Um, and I was going to ask you, so what, what is next? There is a film competition uh, that we're currently working on, doing a short comedic film again. And Tammy and I, we lean on each other quite a bit. She's, I'm pushing her to get back into stand-up. She likes to do a lot of sketch comedy. So we have a group of female comedians that we rely on pretty heavily. You know, we have a group chat together. We hang out a lot. We really push ourselves creatively and are there for support professionally, creatively, personally. And I think that's one of the best things for me to get that fire lit under my butt every once in a while. Because being creative, the drop of a hat just doesn't work for me. I, you know, you go through spurts especially when work takes over. Uh, and so it's good to have people who will push and say, you haven't done a new joke in a while. You should write something. We should work on this together. Make some time. And that's also the great thing about having groups of military women who can kind of cut through the BS and they don't have to soften the language as much. I've heard that joke four times now. New joke. And that's a really great thing for me. And it also sounds like they provide the camaraderie that you say you miss about the Marine Corps and one of the things you valued about being an active duty service member. Yes, I think for all of us, the Armed Services Arts Partnership and you know, the groups that form and the families that form out of that, it's a lot of what we were missing. We have the same language. We understand the same things. We understand the same foundations for our jokes uh, and our art. And it just is so natural. Again, it's just like showing up to that unit, realizing, okay, these are my new friends. This is what happens. Very natural in that sense. Well, Stephanie, I look forward to seeing Dilemma at a film festival near me, I hope soon. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and to see your work around the DMV area. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This was fantastic. I loved it. Thank you. That was Marine Corps veteran, comedian Stephanie Klein. If you're in the D.C. area on July 27th, you can see Stephanie and other vets doing stand-up with Stand Up Silver Spring. The show's at 8 p.m. at American Legion Post 41 in Silver Spring. Get more information at improbablecomedy.com. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. You can subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts, so please do. And leave us a rating on Apple because it helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.